All right, welcome to Movie Bonfire. We're ready to put one, on, throw one on the bonfire. I'm sorry, you don't put things on a bonfire. You throw them on a bonfire. You put things on a bonfire, you're going to get burned. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the final episode that involves David Cronenberg. This is the seventh one, I believe. Sixth? Thank God. Sixth. Thank God. Sixth. Over. This is the sixth. Or was it seventh? I don't know. Who you cares? probably right. Anyway, it's the seventh we're day up to 1988 with Dead Ringers starring Jeremy Irons in a dual performance of twin brothers, gynecologists, very Cronenberg esque. Yeah. Um, Beverly and Elliot. Mantle. Mantle. Thank you. The so, Fabulous Mantle Boys. The Fabulous Mantle Boys. So, let's start talking about this movie here. I know Will is eager to talk about it because he's he's a little depressed today because it's the last Cronenberg movie we're going to do <laughs> on the podcast. And as you all know, he's been a big fan of Cronenberg this whole time. So, Will, why did you like this movie? So I much? think this movie was terrible. And I think that... Cronenberg is a fucking pervert. That's my, basically my time final answer. Here's the thing. He gets a little notoriety because he makes a remake, which he which he gets some money off the fly. That's off, basically... Off, off the fly? Yeah, he made the fly. On the fly? Whatever. You mean the saying on the fly? Yeah. Yeah. So then he's like, well, I'm going to go delve back into my creepy self again and make a movie about, you know, homoerotic twin brothers who... <laughs> Share women with three uteruses. Like, what is this? Who thought of this? Who thought of this? And who paid money to make it? Did you know this? Did you know this is based on a true story? Yes, I do. I just learned that. But it wasn't the three uterus part. Is something he that's, added. Well, that's just Cronenberg. But <laughs> this is the story of Stuart and Cyril Marcus, and they were found in 1975 in New York in their fancy penthouse, both dead. And they were twins, identical twin gynecologists. They were gynecologists? Even yeah. Wow. Both dead from barbiturate withdrawal. So hmm. kind of, basically Cronenberg's seeing this really weird story in the paper, and he's like, what the F? That's real? So then he comes up with a backstory for this that is just even more crazy, and makes it into a movie. So it's loosely based on a true story, uh. on the fact that there was twin rich gynecologists found mm. dead of, you know, drug withdrawal. So, Interesting. Well, also he rips off, if I can use the term ripping off, because he rips off the true story of the most famous Siamese twin pair that we know of. I think their name is Lin and Lang or something like that. They're like Chinese... Yin and Yang? Whatever they are. It's, for, it's a name like that, Chan and Ching. I can't remember oh, their names. I see, Asian names. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're... I'm not... Right, no. right, right, okay. No, they're Some like, kind of Asian names, you know, no, like they're Chin like, and Chang. They're like a name like that, like one after another. <laughs> okay, they're like from the 1800s. I'm sure you've seen them in the Ripley's Believe It or Not. The most famous Siamese twins. One dies, the other one soon follows out of fright or fear, whatever it is. They oh, just rip... They're it, attached... <clears throat> One died. That's a Siamese. What a Siamese twin is, yeah. moron. So, but one died, and it was still attached to the live one. Yes. Oh my god. Did they? No. This was them? like in the eighteen hundreds. They didn't, couldn't do that. Well, of course the person died. It's got a dead body attached to him. <laughs> yeah, they probably share happened. like blood system or something. 
well, that's not what they said in the movie. If you watch the movie, they tell a little story of that. What happened? He says that the one, the living one, the stronger one, like Elliot in the movie, died when his weaker brother died, and he died of fright. Was that fear or fright? What did he say? I can't remember. Something like I think it was fear of not having his brother or something like that. Oh, in this movie, yeah, in Dead Ringers, they talked about that. Yeah. Yes, oh, I don't remember that. You don't remember that at That's all? like the main point of the movie. I remember the gnawing through the thing to tear him apart, which was the. It's oh, trying to say what I can get. These guys are Siamese twins, but they're not physically bonded. They're mentally bonded. Yeah, just to throw some more Cronenberg bullshit in there. <laughs> That's what it's about. <laughs> this movie does have. I will take this point for you. This movie has the most. Cronenberg type stuff just thrown in. I felt like like the no, you're wrong woman, there too. There's only one gory part. In I'm the not talking about film. gore. I'm talking about the thing like the woman having three uteruses. Yeah, which doesn't come into play at all at, for the story at all. Yes, so, it does. How? That's why he made those crazy uh, instruments later because he thought that all women were mutated from the original three uteruses. So he went and made instruments that could perform. So he thought that she was right. Her body was right, and all the no, other. That guy was fucking screwed up by that point. Exactly. <laughs> no, it didn't really make sense. It was just like a weird thing to happen. And also, when the doctor says something, he says um, they should have beauty contests for in for your internal organs, for the inside of the body. Yeah, that seems like a very Cronenberg thing to me. He says something else at that same time that seemed very much like that. Uh, when he's first. This is my point. This is what I was just trying to say earlier. It is a very self-centered movie. Like, he's got this creepazoid feeling. He's a pervert. <laughs> and he thinks that the world is interested in his little perversion. So then... Well, I think he argue the world is like, interested in it. He's made it's a just, lot of movies. We've it's watched so six of them. like self-serving movies that he makes. It makes me sick. <laughs> like, I, take your little kinks in the closet. I don't want to see him on a movie. Why is it that you get to display them, crony? Because he worked, he made it his career, and he worked to make money and produce. Yeah, but he movies, presents right? it like people. Like you have some are, kind of weird things. Is that what we're getting at here? No, you have some kind of weird things. You want them presented in a movie, and they're not. I really don't. You understand feel jealous how of this Cronenberg? Creepy weirdo can put his shit up on a screen for all of us to see when basically no one has the same perversion as him. <laughs> it's like homosexuality with your brother, then throw some weird sex in there with some mutation. No homosexuality with the brothers. The three-way hug? Do you remember this? Yeah? Yeah? With the woman in between? Yeah. Where's the homosexuality? Well, I'm sure they, they were touching if, each other. I'm sure in the real story, they got it on. <laughs> in the real story? Yeah. Okay. They said it was based on a real true story. <laughs> oh, I'm so sure they had a three... Plus, if you remember, the Elliot brings home two Bopsy twins. Yeah? Yeah? And he tells like them... Like, they didn't have a three-way. He tells them... He tells the twins, you oh, so it's call okay. me Elliot. So when you we, call me Beverly. Yeah. Yeah. So that when, was so when two women get it on during a sex scene, that's not homosexuality. They didn't, that scene didn't happen. It was I'm just sure implied. it happened in the real life. They can't do it in, in the real life. It's a movie, so nothing is real life. <laughs> was it not implied that he had these little twins come over and have a three-way with them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what am I saying then? I don't. Uh, it's perverted. That's. It's a perverted. They do that shit. Sensibility. They do that shit in like Playboy okay, magazine whatever. and stuff. They're like. Swedish twins, look at them. Like that. Okay, here, so I'm going to bring a. I don't think Lisa Cronenberg is breaking here anytime. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to support any which way. Well, here's my take on this movie. 
I thought this movie was trying to center in on the relationship between these brothers, and that's what I found interesting, was, like, how can a connection between two people be so strong that, like, they're sort of mixing their identities? You know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised they didn't, you know, remembered who was who, because they shared everything. And they said that at one point, one of them said, I can't... He said, you're speaking to one of the Mantle twins... Yeah, and it was kind of implied that he didn't know which one he was himself, and we didn't know as an audience, right? Or and he didn't know which he was supposed to be to this person, right? So it was yeah. almost like, at, there, at one point, I was wondering if they were really twins or if, like, you know, there was like some sort of imaginary thing going on there. But that was cleared up immediately when people saw both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like I think the whole thing was, how are these people this? entwined with their identities that and what would happen if one of them died yeah I and I think that was really uninteresting brought together <laughs> whenever the one brother who's holding it together Elliot is saying I have to get into the same state of mind as Beverly so any pill that he takes I have to take anything that he does I have to do then once we get what did he say once we're synchronized again yeah. we can fix it together so his solution wasn't, I'll help my brother get off these drugs. That was his first solution. It didn't work. No. His next solution is, okay, I have to go to the depths that my brother is at right now, and then we'll both pull ourselves out, which also didn't work out so well for him. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the reasons why I was totally zoned out of the movie by the time you're, the plot points that you're talking about is I could care less about either one of these guys. One is an asshole, and one is a wee little weakling. There's no... There is no redeeming quality in these characters to root for or care about. And that's where I had the problem. Like, give me something to root for. Nothing. And that, and I, lo- I just lost interest in them. I wish they would die. I wish they're a little fu- you know. Even the so, girlfriend is not interesting. So, but I agree there's no central character that you relate to as an audience member here. You're not like, I think I'm most like Beverly. I mean, you're not watching this movie thinking that. You're just watching I'm like, like these you have are to identify interesting with the characters. You have to identify with the character in order to take interest and I was not identifying with either one in any scenario because I'm not David Cronenberg and I don't have these fuck-ups in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's we'll put that on hold for a second. The plot and the, these characters. What about special effects? This is this is new for 1988. We got this two characters. I can't even think of one special effect. Yeah, exactly. So that means it was good, right? <laughs> Isn't that what your argument is about special effects? They should be used to where I don't think about them being special effects. Did you not have Jeremy Irons playing opposite Jeremy Irons in these scenes? Yeah, but you could see like the split screen on it. Every time every time what you could see in every scene when they were together, there was a mitigating vertical line that this that yeah but you know that on. now because you know that that's how they did it then if you were watching yeah, well. this movie then you wouldn't have noticed that so come on would give the guys I saw the Brady Bunch this. episode when they had the second Marsha <laughs> they did the same thing have her stand next to a line in the wall that's how they do it we're, they did it pretty well in this though it wasn't like here's a straight exact I could line. see Jeremy Irons like counting the seconds like wait four three now I say my line four <laughs> no. three two in the beginning, you no. can totally tell, like, when they're walking down the hallway, I can watch him going. I can see him almost counting in his mind when he has to say the next line. <laughs> it's terrible. It's no. not even good. You're just making that up. Man. I am not making you're it just, up. You watch the scene in the beginning. Making shit up. You watch the scene in the beginning. Cut his mic off. You watch the scene in the beginning when they're walking down the hallway. It is so, like, forced and mechanical. 
it's all just about the stunt of like, oh my god, the two characters are on the screen talking to each other. How crazy. <laughs> no, it's a gimmick. It's bad. <laughs> no way. Go back and watch it. I watched it twice. It it's, sucks. No, it doesn't. I thought and it was your very point, well done. your point about your special effects, you know, you get some like hammy actor like Jeremy Irons up there who can basically belt it out with the best of them. As hammy, a, as you, are you saying hammy as in not good or hammy like yeah, like Lewis hammy is as in not good? Like he plays what? himself like the creep, and and so I'm sure Crony's like, oh, we got this guy who can pontificate and talk like English accent, and so talk now we don't like an English accent. We can use because he's English. <laughs> okay, whatever. What I'm saying is he learned from. Um, the Dead Zone, throw a good actor up there and basically let him do all the work, which is what he did in this show. And it's just, I hated everything about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to shut up. Go ahead. Tell me what, how great it is. No, I agree on something I didn't like was Claire Niveau, Genevieve Bujold. Did not like her very much. Her like. Why would you pick her as the actress? She, that, is, that, she looks like a little imp. She's <laughs> not attractive. She's old. I mean, at least pick somebody a little bit hotter. Yeah. My problem was, yeah, I did not buy her as some kind of Hollywood famous actress because, yeah, she was a little old. She wasn't that pretty. She wasn't. She didn't speak English very well. Yeah. So. And she, she wasn't interesting. Like, yeah, she was totally dull and normal. So I didn't see any kind of I know. star quality in this person to where I would go, oh yeah, that person is. She was just like the lady next door. Like, yeah. doesn't even... Like, the best part was when she went on vacation. <laughs> so I was kind of... Okay, good, I was like, got her oh, good, she's out of the movie. No, <laughs> she comes back. So, yeah, I, see, I agree with that, but Jeremy Irons was perfect as both characters. You could see... You could see his... The very distinct difference between Beverly and Elliot at the beginning, and it slowly started mixing together to where you didn't know who was who, and they didn't know who was who, to the climax, so... I thought that was good. When you yeah. play caricatures, you can do that, I guess. I mean, there is no subtlety in either one of these performances. They're just over the top. It is bad. I mean, he's playing a, basically a theater role in a movie. That's it. It sucks. You know what? If, you, if you're if you consistent, though, that works. That's how... That's what happens. That's what Al Pacino does. He's always big, but he's always... That's what Daniel Day-Lewis does. That's what DiCaprio does. So all those people do, because if you stay consistent, then I can believe that that is the character that you are playing, because you are doing that the whole time. If you just go big and then small and then different, then yeah, I agree, but it works. I disagree with you, because I just felt like I was watching a stunt show. Like, look how this range of actor can play the asshole and the weakling in the same role. Look how great he is. And I'm not going to swallow that hook, line, and sinker, because what about just hook and line? No, I'm not gonna swallow it. It's just like here's You're a stunt. Spit it? Here's a here's a stunt, and okay, stupid audience, look at this guy. He can do this. Now you just say he's got the great performance. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it because it's over the top and it's a caricature and it's. It, it, I didn't care about him. Did not gain any identification with I, that I brother. I disagree with you. I, I kind of like the fact that at the beginning it seemed like it seemed like. All the attributes of one person split apart between these two. Like we have Beverly, who is more meek, and then of course, opposite of that is Elliot, and they, they seem to be complete opposites, and yet they're totally like centered and in sync. And yet later on, when they're both like complete drug addicts and stuff, it didn't really matter which one you were talking about. They they were like the same at that point. So, good point. While we're talking about them later on, let me get to something I 
think both of you guys probably noticed this, but I wanted to see. Oh, I know. Did you see? I know what you're talking Stephen about. Stephen Lack. Yeah, I know. The guy from Scanners. Yes. Oh, was the artist? Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You just stole my thunder. That was gonna be my best part yep. of the movie. <laughs> like they got this terrible still. Oh, actor he's such a bad actor. I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, this guy's a bad actor. And I was like, oh fuck, that's the guy from Scanners. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I saw that too. And and what was weird was, it totally, since I haven't seen that guy in anything else, it took me back to Scanners immediately because I've never. No one acts like that. I mean, even Keanu Reeves, who can't act, has more like emotion than that this guy is so monotone and repetitive he was this exact same guy he was like yes I could make that what would you like I was like oh no it's that fucking scanners guy he must be some friend of cronies because I don't know where'd you dig up this bro <laughs> I yeah. know I'm gonna look him up on IMDB see if he's still working <laughs> oh we got scanners 8 Ugh. oh yeah dude that was bad I like the idea, though, of all these tools that they couldn't get them made by regular tool manufacturing places because they're like, this is not a tool yeah. for, for doing surgery. So he yeah. goes to an artist and gets this artist to make them, and they're really futuristic, evil-looking devices. Yeah, I didn't understand what that the purpose of that was. Like, why did he have those tools made? Because he yeah. wanted to operate, they were tools for operating on mutant women. Because right. he was starting to think that all women's bodies on the inside were deformed, and that the regular tools were not good enough for operating on. Is them. that why when he used the gold-plated thing on the one chick, and she's like, "That hurts." He's like, "It can't hurt. This is the best equipment." Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, he was telling his brother. Because then later, um, Elliot was telling Beverly. Of course that hurt her. You use this tool. That's for doing right. this. Yeah, that's, that's not right. And he was like, externals. no, the tools are perfect. It was her body. Her body was all wrong. Uh, so okay. he is going insane somehow. Into He's like going into the video drum or something <laughs> and seeing all totally weird stuff. <laughs> what? Well, did you notice? Head over here. We're did you notice it. as Elliot became more successful and more like his shit was together, like the polar opposite had to happen to Beverly? Oh, that's oh, a like good he was point. That's when Beverly was falling apart and becoming a drug addict. Is when Elliot was like, "Yeah, Elliot's like, I'm almost going to be the dean of this yeah. really uh, prestigious school of medicine. Um, our practice is doing really well. So then, yeah, it is like a give and take. You can't if one is doing that, the other one has to be the opposite, which yeah. is total failure drug addict. I didn't think of that. That's a good. Yeah, it's like right when they decided to split up, and he was like, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta." go after this opportunity and yeah it just fell apart from there can I talk about a wasted opportunity that was in the film no okay <laughs> one of the things that sort of got me interested was the fact that they live in this like pristine modern apartment building in the city like up in the sky or up in a high rise like overlooking Manhattan or wherever the I think they're in Toronto but yeah it was as if they were overlooking Central Park it was like this all glass apartment walls made of glass and the thing that most struck me was the fact that Elliot, I think it's Elliot most of the time, has a television set in front of him at every turn. Like, he's eating, he has a television set. He's sleeping, there's a television set next to him. It's like this little, these little um, portable televisions all over. And then, they even have a line about it at this point. It's always playing Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And they, like, turn the TV off on him once, and he goes, that was my favorite program. Yeah. Oh. So... There is some kind of statement there about the excess of the 80s or the materialism of his lifestyle 
And how does that play to the rest of the film? It does not play in. It was just basically a piece of... I don't know. It was a cherry on top of a piece of cake that they never paid off. And I thought that was one of the more interesting things in the film was that... Now that wait, now that well, where, tell me where it pays off. Now that you say that, I think that it does because if so, the idea is that Elliot is totally focused on external material goods. That's what he wants. That's right. what he, he wants. Makes with a good this. show. He okay. wants a success. He yeah, wants I agree to. With that. He always wants to accept the awards that they both work together yeah. to get. He wants to always make the speeches while Beverly sits there and works. And whenever Elliot goes to meet with Claire Nouveau, at, in her. Um, on the set of the movie she's working on, she's got makeup on. He says, she said, um, Claire says, well, Beverly's not interested in coming to set with me. He's not interested in this sort of lifestyle. And Elliot says, that's a shame because I really am. This is really what I'm interested in. So there's that. He's saying, making it clear that Beverly's not, he is. Then later she says, you need to help Beverly. He has a drug addiction. Have you noticed that? He hasn't. Elliot doesn't, because he doesn't pay attention to his brother. He's just thinking of him as this little person that does his bidding and can do what he wants for him, right? So all he's looking for is to better himself, not thinking about his own brother. And that's ultimately his downfall, because when he decides to do what, to make his life perfect so he can go be dean of this college, that's when the shit falls apart. Well, the only interesting thing that you said was that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that he's... Elliot is the ex- external of the two. And, of course, the show that he would be wanting to watch would be the show that epitomizes external beauty, which would be Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Mm-hmm. I don't gather... I'm not really buying into any of your payoff argument and acting, blah, blah, blah. I don't really... I don't remember that, and you're wrong. <laughs> Elliot wants to be the professor, not actually do the work, but teach the work <coughs> and get the praise for it, right? Right. While Beverly goes back and does all the work. So yeah, it's all just you're tying doing... it all together. I mean, that's the tying together of the this this lifestyle of the rich and famous. He wants to be rich and famous. He doesn't want to be in the office doing the work. Right. That's okay. why Beverly gets drunk and says, It's all a fraud. <laughs> I stare at these hot snatches all day. <laughs> right? That's what that was about. Well, I know. It was a tearing down of the external... You know the external okay, facade. Okay, keep talking like Cronenberg. The re the Mr. person anti Cronenberg. The person who uh, the entity or the half of the of the body that actually does the work has this one outburst where he attempts to tear down the external facade of what's being shown to the world, right? What you're okay. describing sounds interesting, huh? <laughs> <That's weird>. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but. Then we just digress into this. Well, he's going to be lovesick, and that's going to turn him crazy, and then we'll throw some drugs into his problem. And it, we don't have to really explain anything. We'll just, just explain it by the fact that he went crazy. And that is terrible filmmaking, story writing, anything. You yeah. basically just went like, we'll take this interesting character, this dichotomy, blah, 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 turn one of them crazy, and call it a story. It's not a story. It sucks. He went crazy. Okay, he's separated from his brother on purpose. He stayed with that woman for like a week, untying their bond. Because Elliot even said, you haven't experienced anything until I've experienced it. And he said, I want to keep this for myself. So he cut him off. He had that dream where they're getting chewed apart by her. Okay? He separated them. Then he's trying to cleave to this woman the way he cleaves to his brother, but he can't because she's an actress and she's out of town for like six weeks. So he's going crazy because he's used to this constant... 
interaction and connectedness that he's had with his brother for 40 years. Okay. So then he gets depressed, gets on drugs, shit goes crazy. There's your reason right there. No? I I understand the story. I just... This is what I, I didn't think. care. It was too long and I just didn't care this about it. This is what I think. Cronenberg movies make you think about stuff and talk about stuff afterwards. I think you don't like them when you watch them, but you always have a lot to say about them, so I think you like Cronenberg more than you say that you do. <laughs> Because I just, he elicits responses from you that you would not get guess, otherwise from I watching guess, some like other talk, movie that made I you agree. feel comfortable. I do enjoy talking about them more than I like watching them because <laughs> <laughs> as I'm watching them, you're forced to swallow such big piles of crap that you're like, I hate this, I hate this. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you so perverted? Why are these themes so fucked up? Why do you keep... I'm not interested in this. This is not a psychosis that you can impose on the world. Why are you making me watch this? I think what it say. is is that you you hate Cronenberg's flesh. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's all about that. He, <laughs> he likes the gore. He likes the sensuality. Things that are very real and and tactile. What's, what's that word? Tangible. Turd penis? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it gets a bit much for me, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, like she needs to really bite the umbilical cord in bed. <laughs> Yeah, we need to see that. That was at least a toned-down version of what happened in The Brood. Come on. Yeah, that's true. Could have, like... Visceral. That's the word I'm looking for. He's very, very visceral, and he hits you with stuff. And when you're watching it, it makes you uncomfortable, but it gives you something to think about later. I feel like his gore is not so much just there. Like, especially in this movie. I think he learned how to use his gore, as opposed to, yeah, the turd penis one where it's just everywhere. (laughs) Here, it's this one scene where you have this gross-looking umbilical cord thing connecting them and the woman chewing it apart. That's disgusting, but it gives you an an image of the ripping apart of these brothers and how visceral and raw that is in reality. Yeah? I guess, but it's kind of like a metaphor that's really... Metaphor, that's it. That's a metaphor that's a little bit too literal. Like, And now we're going to have the woman who bites the umbilical cord between the two twins... (laughs) So you guys can understand what's happening. They're going to split apart, and she's the impetus of it. What? I mean, come on. Do you have to, like, show it to us literally? Yes, yeah, I guess I he does. I guess he has, to, yeah. he has to actually show the blood and guts. Yeah. That's his whole philosophy. Uh, yeah, he likes to take those metaphors and make them, make yeah. them flesh them out. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, got to sum up this. Are we done with this one? We're done with Cronenberg. Yeah, we're, this we is need the to last sum up Cronenberg. Okay. Wait, let's read this movie first. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. I mean, if you got... I can't... No, no. I don't, I've already... I'm done. Blasted this I'm done. I don't care. The only thing I don't understand is why he killed Elliot. I don't either. I didn't understand that ending at all. I didn't I didn't get why he did that. And it's almost like he woke up thinking, you know, looking for Elliot, not realizing that he had killed him. I think he wanted to practice his tools or something. <laughs> or I couldn't <laughs> tell. Yeah, weird. that's it. Well, I don't know. I couldn't <laughs> tell what he was doing. It was really crazy. Yeah, when he woke up, he didn't think that he killed him. He thought he was still there. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. It was just to wrap it up and bring it to the end, to the real life thing, that they were both dead. (laughs) So. Okay. Okay. I give this movie... Oh, man. It's a tough one. Um, C+. C plus. Wow. I liked it, but there were a lot of problems with it, and 
Yeah, I'll give it a C plus. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I had two emotions watching this film, and that was um, boredom <laughs> and uh, oh shit, I just had the other word. It's not disgust, but boredom and disgust. I'll say so. I hated it. I'm gonna give it a D. Ouch. Um, I'm gonna ring this one in at a B minus because wow. I was I was close on that, but. I thought it was pretty solid. I really liked Jeremy Irons, and he sold me as two different characters. Like I didn't even, I didn't even phase me. Like at some point, I'm like, is there really two of those guys? <laughs> so like, that's I thought there were two separate actors for a little bit. Then I was like, oh no, it is both him. Yeah. Well, there is at that one point when he's giving him mouth to mouth resuscitation. They couldn't have had two oh, Jeremy stunt Irons. Doubles, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the part where they hug each other. There's probably another guy there. Oh. <laughs> Hug the pants. <laughs> Those are not his khakis. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was B minus because I thought it was pretty solid. It held my interest actually, even though because it kept me wondering what the f is going on and what's next. And these guys are definitely having serious mental issues now that they're apart. And how are we going to fix this? Yeah. And can we fix it? I think I looked answer the, no. <laughs> I looked at the time left on this film at least fifteen times. Was, I was like, "How much left? How much left?" <laughs> All right, so so your marathon. Okay, Zachary so Cronenberg. we watched Cronenberg. We watched Shivers, The Brood, Scanners. What came after Scanners? Um, um, Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Video Drone. Video Drone. Oh, video Forgot about that one. Then scanners. Dead Zone. Oh yeah, Video Drone. Then Scanners. Dead Zone. The fly, then this. So that's I think video that's seven after seven. Scanners. Yeah, so we watched seven things here. And I think we learned a lot about Cronenberg. I think we learned a lot about his early <laughs> filmmaking. For me, this made me really, really appreciate two movies I already like, History of Violence and Eastern Promises. I was already a fan of those movies, but seeing these movies, seeing Cronenberg's history, made me appreciate these two new movies more because I saw that he's really refined what his art is. And I think even in this movie, you can see where he's taking this, the weird moods that he can create and the weird, uh, the gore in your face stuff and minimized it to where it's most effective by just throwing it out there one or two times. And he does the same kind of thing in History of Violence with a few quick gore things, but they're not as they were in the original stuff like Shivers and the Brood just there throughout where you're just like, oh my god, it loses its effect when you see it for so long you start to get numb to it. So, maybe really appreciate his later work and that he would go, you know what, maybe I shouldn't write my own shit. Maybe you have a point about this, Will. He realized, you know what, my shit is perverted and crazy and <laughs> other people don't have my psychoses, so maybe I'll take someone else's script and make that into a movie and it'll be better. I'm sure he learned and that lesson. you know what, he's better for that. His movies are better now. Yeah, that's so, why he's remaking The Fly. Well, that's why he really learned from himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one is uh, called a paycheck, though. But yeah, <laughs> all the people need that. So a double remake. Yeah, I okay. That's my sum up of this. My favorite one of all of them was the Brood. Still stuck with really? me. Really, that woman still frightens me. That was the best one in my mind. All right, what's, what's Cronenberg's grade from you? Cronenberg overall. Cronenberg for these overall. Seven movies. I give him. Although I probably, if you averaged out all the movies together, gave him lower than this, I would give him a B plus really? overall okay. for these seven movies. Yeah. It's pretty high because, I mean, they all kept my interest and they were all different in their own way. So, yeah, B plus. Okay. I was thinking about 
Okay, here's what I learned about Cronenberg. I I can appreciate him in this way. His movies are his own. He makes his own way, and he puts his own themes in it. And given that, you got to give him a lot of respect because there's only a few filmmakers that are really like that. You know, maybe like Stanley Kubrick or Ridley. Maybe not even Ridley Scott. He doesn't even. He used to be that way. He's more of a director for hire now, but these ones where you, oh, that's a definitely a Cronenberg movie. And he's one of the directors that you would actually say that because he throws in the gore, he's got the sexual bits. I mean, I don't know if it's good. Maybe it's better to be more, have a broader range of themes. But I like the fact, the point is I like the fact that he's willing to make his movie that he wants to make and F all you all. It's perverted. It's my movie. I don't care. So you got to give him that. As far as the best movie of the series, um, I'm going to say Scanners, and that's really because of Michael Ironside, and that villain just really sticks out in my mind. Of all the things that we've seen, as far as a badass, that guy's a badass. And just like balls to the wall, blow your head up, that kind of shit, that, I can appreciate that kind of gore. Um, I think you're right. He is a good, he's a better filmmaker when it's not his material, in my opinion. I think... The Dead Zone is about that. I think the later films are about that. I think he's a decent filmmaker when he doesn't kowtow to his perversion. So I'd go see a Cronenberg that I would be willing, I would want to go see a Cronenberg movie that he didn't write. So that's my thing. As far as rating him, I'm going to give him a B as a filmmaker. Uh, I gained more respect for him throughout this time. I'm glad I watched these so I can talk about Cronenberg to people when they ask, do you know Cronenberg? I'd be like, yeah, I do, because I watched seven of it. <laughs> seven of those pieces Kicking of shit. Kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> seven of those pieces of shit, I actually watched it. So, you didn't, you know, whatever. Did you know he invented the turd penis? <laughs> Cronenberg. All right. Well, I like Cronenberg. I think he makes things very real, very in your face. Almost <laughs> just a little bit. I don't want to say subtly, like I think he started out that way because he was probably younger and wanted to make a bigger impression. And nowadays he's like, yeah, I'm already Cronenberg, so it's cool. But these seven films I think were very original, very creative, very explorative as far as um, interesting things to try out in a movie or interesting worlds to create, you know? So I, I think my favorite overall is probably going to, I think I'm going to agree with Will, Scanners is probably my favorite overall. Although Videodrome is surprisingly one that is really high up there in my memory. I like, I think it's because I saw it twice and the second time I liked it a lot more. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, it was very, very original. So I'm going to give Cronenberg, <sighs> I can't go down to a C. I gotta, I gotta give him a B minus because I think that there are a lot of ice cream. I know. I think there are a lot of actors out, or a lot of directors out there that could make films that are more captivating, more interesting. And some of to- sometimes he goes over the top with his gore and his uh, his weird sexual stuff. <laughs> sometimes that threshold of uncomfortability is, is reached, and I didn't really want to reach it. <laughs> I'm with you, man. So speaking of weird sexual stuff, this is totally going back to Dead Rings. But did the Claire Naveau character reminded me so much of the Deborah Harry character in Videodrome, just like this woman, oh, because okay. she even says like I need to be spanked, and like 
you need to, I need to be punished. And I was like, what? Cronenberg women, why? You just want to have sex, like, violently. Like, why <laughs> is know. this? Uh, anyway. Because he's a pervert. He's like, all women are like this. I'll put them in my movies. No, they're not, crony. Only people in Hollywood who do drugs every day are like that. Okay, so I think we've successfully wrapped up Cronenberg. The next set of movies will be coming from Bracken's brain. Oh, yeah. Get be... ready. Get ready, Freddy. <laughs> oh, really? Was that a hint? <laughs> Actually, I would just throw that out there to see, see what Will's reaction would be. I want to see the much I'm bigger waiting. reaction I'm, from... I'm waiting to see the new Freddy movie. Yeah, the uh, new one looks pretty decent. Yeah, yeah Jake Arrow Haley. It's great. I love Freddy vs. Jason. That was my favorite. That was one of my faves. Yeah. Freddy Marathon. I like Freddy. He's got a brain in him. Yeah. Sure he's got I'm... a little bit more camp than Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to have camp when you can't talk, so. Yeah, I know. You know, we got to give him that. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm still, I'm still formulating. I'm, I'm considering the Freddy thing, possibly, just because I want to see the whole series. I haven't seen him. I've only seen the first one. I think I saw him when I was, in, like, 13, but... Yeah. But I was also thinking about possibly doing movies about exorcism. Mm. That is a topic that Ooh. interests me. Yes. That sounds, sounds, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been, I've been researching that to get some good ones. Although I'm too frightened of The Exorcist. I don't, I don't want to watch that one again. <laughs> <laughs> I had like serious nightmares when I watched the, the version you've never seen in the theaters. Yeah, it was like, it was bad. The spider walk? Yeah. Yeah. That freaked My me out. My brother a toy of that scene. Oh my god. Weird. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what I'm considering. So, um, look forward to that. Both, both good choices. You guys look forward. You can vote. Why don't you go on our site? <laughs> you listen to this Votes. podcast, right? Why don't you vote? Tell us which one you like more. Do you want to hear Freddie to parallel our Jason marathon and get ready for this April release of Nightmare on Elm Street? If you say Freddie, we will go see Nightmare on Elm Street when it comes out and give you oh yeah a fresh podcast on a new movie for once. <laughs> Right after we see all these old ones. So that yeah. choice or we'll probably exorcism, which is a big topic now after um, paranormal activity. Yeah. Although they didn't really do an exorcism in that, but there's talk of that. So there, there's, it brought up possession and demonism yeah. and all that. Also a hot topic at the moment. So go on and vote. <laughs> I, I'm see, let's see if anybody says anything. We're should not I, should get I get like three choices together so they yeah. have What's three the solutions? Third one. I think you can put a, you can put like a voting thing on. We don't want we don't want to get it we don't want to talk it up too much. Yeah, nobody will go. Just say just put comments. It'll be too embarrassing if we put a voting thing up and then nobody does it. One vote and it's me. <laughs> no, that would be good. We should do that. We got a total of zero point one votes. One hundred percent people voted for this one. Yeah. Okay. It's unanimous. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm all not excited about people voting anymore. Yeah. For a second there, I was like, "Oh yeah, we can get people to vote." Then I was like, "Oh yeah, what people?" Yeah, <laughs> shit. Oh, I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll let you know. No, seriously, go vote. But yeah. if you don't vote, we're just gonna start one, and we'll let you know which one it is. You have two days from today yeah. <laughs> to vote because we have to get you know prep work for our next series so all right see ya end of Cronenberg <laughs> <laughs>